Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesco. It's Wednesday, July 17th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. And hey, Chet, just seven days ago, we said the Phillies hit the All-Star break six and a half games out of first place, and in third place, just seven days later, they're eight games out now after the Braves lost again this afternoon and but seem to be going in the wrong direction in a hurry. The Eagles open camp next week. It's football time with the first preseason game twenty two days away, August eighth. Then the Flyers are drawing a lot of summer buzz with more youngsters trying to work their way into the fold. It won't be long and all four sports teams will be back in action. Yeah, always a lot going on, Bill, just the way we like it. And, yeah, this is definitely an exciting time. You mentioned the Eagles, and while there's always some anticipation about the start of training camp, I don't know, there's not quite the buzz that there was every summer in the pre-Eagles have a Lombardi trophy era. Do you agree? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I absolutely agree. And I think we actually talked about this last year. It was almost like everybody was still on their hangover from winning the the first one that that the next year really didn't matter. Uh, but, boy, I tell you what, I sure like that uh, excitement that leads into a season, though. Oh, yeah, me as well. But, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You know, last year it was, hey, they won the Super Bowl, so, you know, we're cool. And now it's, well, we still have that Super Bowl. We're excited about the season, but, uh, you know, we know they're going to be good, so not too worried. They, they have the Lombardi Trophy, so all is well. But, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic with uh, what's going to happen with them this year, and hopefully we'll be talking lots about them in the weeks and months ahead and mostly positive stuff. Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, it reminds me, last year the Eagles reminded me a lot of the 2019, uh, 2009 Phillies. Mm-hmm. You know, when they didn't win the World Series the second time, it was like, oh, that's all right, we won last year. You know, yeah, that's well, how, it, it almost seemed like more, the fans were happy to have their one. We thought with that nucleus there'd be a few more World Series titles, too. That didn't quite work out. Oh, that's right. Well, hey, Chad, if uh, if for some reason I go away tonight uh, on a drop of a dime, it's because I am sitting in a major thunder and lightning storm that comes with about a half a dozen straight 100-plus degree days, which I guess uh, you might be having a little bit of. Yeah, most of our listeners know that you are down in Florida, the Lakeland area, where it's often a tad warm, but we had 96-degree weather today, and it'll be 97 to 100, I think, Friday through Sunday. So I'm sensing my pool and my beer fridge will be put to use this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure. We're, <laughs> we've been hitting those 100-degree days, uh, 100, you know, real feels up in that 104, 106, 110. It, it's, it's hot. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm working inside in the air conditioning most of my days. Well, I hear you. Well, hey, speaking of hot, we got two great guests tonight, and uh, it's going to make for a hot show. So uh, they're going to help us understand all the goings-on with the Flyers and the Phillies in first-time visitor from NBC Sports Philly, Taryn Hatcher, and former voice of the Phillies, Chris Wheeler. This is certainly going to be a great one. 
Aren't they all great ones, though, Bill? No, I'm just kidding. Well, they are. They are. But, uh, yeah, it's always great to hear from Wheels. This, I think, is his eighth visit to our show, by the way. And, yeah, as you said, we have a first-time visitor to the show. All Philly sports fans have gotten to know her a bit over the past 12 months through her work as part of the network's Flyers coverage on TV and her frequent sports anchor duties there at NBC Sports Philly. As you mentioned, it's Taryn Hatcher, and she's going to join us in our second half hour. That's right. And, you know, with the Phillies chat, there's so much to talk about, it's hard to figure out where to start. It is. Uh, a lot has gone wrong this season, but, boy, last night it looked like something was going to go horribly wrong. But let me play uh, T-Mac's call of how the game ended. They came back, you know, from that 8-6 deficit in the bottom of the ninth, and this is how T-Mac called it. And a line drive into center field. That's going to drop for a base hit. It gets past Paul and goes to the wall. One run scores. Here comes Kingry. The Bills are going to win the ball. That was pretty cool. It was. And, you know, the great emotion of baseball, because I don't think you probably have it have it in the studio for us, but uh, his call in the top of the ninth inning was as excited as he was on one end. He hit the other end of the scale on the negative side when Neris gave up that home run. Yeah, that was quite the blow. I mean, they had the rain delay, and Neris got out there. You thought maybe he was going to nail it down and get the save, and then, wow, a walk and the three-run homer shortly thereafter. And then, of course, Neris hits the next batter and gets tossed, and now he's got a three-game suspension. I don't know if you heard that. That was just before we went on the air today. So Neris out for three games. I did see that, and uh, quite frankly, he deserves every bit of it, probably deserves more, and uh, along with a hefty fine that I'm sure is going to come, you know, Chet, you can do those kind of things, but you don't do it on the first pitch, and you don't throw at the guy's head. You know, no. that's that's just not that's that's just stupid. And you deserve a penalty for being dumb on top of it. Yep, yep. But uh, they got the win. That's one of the important things. They have a so-so lineup going out there tonight. I don't know if they can win a second straight from the Dodgers. Uh, we'll see. And then, of course, Nola tomorrow in an afternoon game. Yeah, well, you know what? That was a, to me. That was a season saver, at least for a little bit longer. Because if they blow yep. that ninth inning lead and lose that game last night, um, even with the Braves losing last night, it would have. I just feel like it was a. It would have been a crushing blow uh, to blow a six-one lead, get to the ninth again. Your closer's now in shambles because he can't hold a lead. Um, that, that's now they have another problem there. I totally agree. Yeah, much-needed win, and boy, I didn't see that coming after what happened in the top of the ninth. But they got it, so hopefully they can build on it from there. Bryce Harper, the hero, hope we see a lot more of that over the next few weeks and months. You bet. Well, unfortunately, uh, Chris Wheeler had a scheduled conflict, but we were you were able to talk to him just a few hours ago. So I'm anxious to hear what Wills has to say about what's happening with his team. And uh, as always, I am sure he's on top of it, and I am sure he will be honest about what he sees yeah let's hear from chris actually i just talked to him about an hour and a half ago so uh, an hour and a half before airtime and uh here it is here's our chat me with chris he's back making a return visit to philly press box radio former longtime phillies color analyst the great chris wheeler wheels how's your summer going okay chad i got back from florida on saturday i've been down there as you know since january so it's nice to be back in the area yeah, nice and warm down there and nice and warm up here in the Philly area as well. Now, Wheels, the Philly season is not going quite the way we planned, sort of like last year in the pre-Bryce Harper, J.T. Real Muto, Gene Segura era. They were flying high early on in first place for a while, but 
They've really struggled for several weeks now, just three games over 500 here on July 17th. Are you surprised at the way they've stumbled here for about seven weeks now? Well, I don't know, surprised. When you have the starting pitching um, potential problems that they have, and we talked about this early in the year, I remember on your show, uh, and the bullpen injuries that they've had, you know, that's a recipe for a problem. There's no doubt about it because good pitching, good starting pitching especially prevents losing streaks uh, or long, uh, you know, losing three out of fours and stuff like that because they keep you in games. Uh, the thing that, that's really been disappointing is obviously the offense and the injuries that they've had to really circumvent a good offensive team that had a chance to be. You know, I look at the lineup that they're going to play against the Dodgers in the third game of the series, and, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly not what you came out of spring training with or even hoped to come out with. So there's a lot of things. <laughs> it's a long season. You know, it's ups and downs, and, you know, you can't get real excited or depressed in April. And, you know, I don't know whether – the time of the year to do that right now but to me they have a lot of problems that are going to be very very hard to address to try and be the wild a wild card team i heard the stat monday night that they've given up nine runs or more 15 times this season Mm -hmm. or about once every six games eight runs in last night's much needed walk-off win did matt clintock and company maybe overrate the guys they had on the pitching staff going into this season well, I think so, uh, which which can happen. You know, that's, you know, the decisions they made. You know, as 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 a fan that I am now, and that's all I am, you know, I kind of looked at it, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, and I personally just didn't see those kind of guys, you know, the Pavettas and, and Velasquez and, and Eflin and Eikhoff, and, you know, I know it, he looked at them and thought, well, they've done some things in the major leagues that are good. Well, they really hadn't done anything where you looked at to think that this was going to be something that you could put a, a big league pitching staff around uh, Nolan Arietta. And I didn't expect Nolan to struggle the way that he did either because he's solid and he's showing that right now. And, and Arietta's Arietta. He's on the other side of his career, but now he has a bone spur in his elbow. So when you look at all those things, the thing that to me has been almost ridiculous, I know we're in the age of, uh, you know, baseballs traveling like golf balls. But to see the home runs they give up. Now, this team that's in town right now, the Dodgers are ridiculous the way that they hit them. And you thought, oh, this is going to be this is going to be a tough series with all the right-handed pitching and all those left-handed hitters that they have. And coming in here in hot weather, you think, oh, boy, they're going to be flying out. But even more so than you <laughs> maybe even thought that they would do. And I can't believe the number of home runs that this staff gives up. And, you know, there's all kinds of different theories on it now. It used to be keep the ball down. Well, now they're saying you don't want to keep the ball down. Hmm. Uh, you want to keep it up above there because they're all trying to. I don't. I don't understand all this stuff anymore. To be honest with you, I, I always thought you wanted to pitch low in the strike zone, and I'll pass on that. And they go along with the people that know a lot more about the game now than I do because of the way that the metrics are and all the things that they're trying to do. And if I were around it, I'd probably have a better. You know, if I were around it the way I was before, I'd probably have a better understanding of what they're trying to say and what works and what doesn't work. But to me, it was always try to keep the ball down and pitch away from guys. Uh, guy's strength and uh, try and get inside on them and do those kind of things. But, but now every time you hear them talk pitching and analyze it, it's just stuff I don't even understand anymore. You mentioned Jake Arietta. Are they wrong to keep putting him out there with the bone spur in his elbow? You know, I've seen guys that had bone spurs before, Chad, and no, it's not wrong because you're really not going to hurt yourself. It's not like you've got a, you know, like Hunter evidently has more flexor tendon problems, you know, because that leads to a blown elbow eventually. A lot of many times it will lead to Tommy John to that uh, ligament going. But bone spurs are bone spurs. As long as you can pitch in pain, it doesn't affect them on every pitch normally. But what will happen a lot of times is sooner or later it will, uh, 
that bone uh, spur will move into the joint and it'll lock up the elbow and then you just can't pitch anymore. Then they have to remove it. But it's not like if you keep pitching, you're going to get three or four more or you're going to cause ligament damage or something. That's what I've been told uh, as far as pitchers go with bone spurs. So it's very painful. It's, it's, uh, you, it's tough to maybe throw a certain pitch effectively the way that you did before. But, no, I don't think you can get yourself anymore. As troubling as the pitching is, and you mentioned this earlier, the offense just hasn't been as explosive as we thought it would be. Are you surprised that very few guys are putting up the kind of numbers we thought they would? Yeah, yeah, I am. You know, I keep hearing about Harper this and Harper that. Harper's the least of their problems. My goodness. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that because he just had a five RBI game last night, but I don't know. You know, you know, I keep hearing the $330 million man. Well, the game is still the most – is a failure sport that was created hundreds of years ago that makes you fail. Uh, you know, you know, just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean you're going to hit 450 or 400 or something. You know, he he's pretty much the player that he's been the last few years and been a little bit better defensively than I thought he had been before and making less mistakes in the outfield. He really hustles on the bases and to the point where maybe he's, he's run himself into some outs and key parts of games. So, you know, I get tired of hearing that about him. And I, uh, he's not he's not the offensive problems that they're having. The McCutcheon thing was a tremendous loss. There's no doubt about it because he was doing a great job of getting on base. He was up there leading the leagues in walks. He was up high in on-base percentage. He'd pop a home run once in a while, maybe to lead off the game or out of that leadoff spot. And then it had a domino effect with a lot of other things in the lineup. But, yeah, I, you know, I don't think they were going to be as hot as they were when the season began. But they've been really really inconsistent in a lot of ways. You know, when Segura doesn't hit two, he's not the same player. Kingery, it's hard to figure out where to put him in the lineup. Unfortunately, they have to hit him up high because of, uh, of McCutcheon being out of there. And, the, and Kingery's becoming a much better uh, – becoming the player that I think we all thought he could be, even though he's been a little bit of a problem with strikeouts lately. You know, Reese Hoskins is Reese Hoskins. He walks a lot. He, he will drive in runs and hit some home runs. Whether or not he's a four-hole hitter on a winning team, I you know, I really don't. I, I can't say that. Real Muto's been a good player and hit. Uh, you know, he's done, a, he's done a good job. You know, you know Dubal Herrera, he's gone. Uh, what was he going to do this year? He wasn't doing much, but, you know, you didn't even have him. Now you bring in Jay Bruce, who's done a great job, and he goes with a one of the bleak today. And, and uh, you bring Williams back to try and play. So, Franco has been Franco. He's very, very inconsistent. He's up and down. And when he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's bad. So, you know, and Cesar Hernandez has actually been pretty good. But they, what they haven't done really, Chet, in my opinion, is they don't have a lot of hot hitters at the same time, you know, two or three. And that's really what carries you a lot of times to a hot streak offensively. Two, three, four guys may be going at the same time and then hoping that your pitching's hanging in there. And they just haven't been able to to put those kind of things together consistently. As a result, they're they're around a 500 team where you would hope they'd have been a lot better in that. Yeah, so what happens now? They're still very much in the hunt for a wild card spot. In fact, they are the second wild card team as we speak. So do they make a deal for a starting pitcher? They don't have a whole lot of prospects that other teams want, I guess. So what do you think? That's a great question. You know, there's a few there's a few guys in the organization that, uh, you know, a lot of teams would like to have and hold you up. You know, contracts come into play. You're going to get a rent a player. Do you have to trade a lot of players for a player that maybe you can keep under control for a while? It's really hard being a general manager right now because things are so much different. And, you know, this team goes out and gives, does a walk-off on Sunday, and then they lose 16-2, to two, and then they do a walk-off last night. So who are they? And you're getting near the end of July. You don't have it in August now the way you used to. Now you get the end of July where, you know, you have to get things done or it's not going to get done. So 
I don't know. I really can't answer that. And and you're going to bring in one pitcher in here. Is that going to change everything? If you give away a key minor league player or something, uh, I'm sure they're out there every day, everybody that's involved in this sort of stuff, talking to all the teams that they can and trying to make a, an educated decision on this. When you look at what the team is and where you think they may go or they may not go, it's great to be a fan. It's great to be on talk radio and say, we'll trade this guy for this guy and all that. Well, it doesn't work that way. It, there's so many contract things involved and looking at where you go with that player later on and what you gave up for him and, uh, you know, everybody's contract situation. So, you know, general manager gets paid a lot of money to do the things that they do, and rightly so because there's a lot of pressure on a guy like Matt Clentak right now. Hey, Chris, last week Jim Bouton died. I'm sure you remember the yeah. star, his book Ball Four sure. Caused in Baseball in 1970 sure. uh, I, I was a 13-year-old kid when it came out, and it was the first grown-up book that I bought that I wasn't forced to read. What are, what are your memories of that time period? Oh, yeah. Well, my memories were laughing when I read it, and I thought, does that really happen? That stuff. <laughs> and then, of course, when I got in the game, I went, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That goes back when I got in, you know, a lot of crazy stuff would happen. It's not nowadays because they can't do anything anymore because everybody has a cell phone. Yeah. Uh, or, or Twitter or whatever you call that account, or, you know, you can't have any fun anymore. Not that some of that <laughs> stuff was stuff you'd be proud of, but, hey, they were they were a bunch of, bunch of adolescents, really, uh, and they weren't, weren't making the money they make nowadays. So, yeah, I remember that well, and, I, of course, I remember Jim Bowden as a pitcher when I was a kid, even though you didn't see the Yankees that much, but you always remembered him as the guy whose hat blew off when he would when he'd throw real hard. He was a boy. He was a really a hard thrower at the time. And I don't know that anybody knew he was going to be a journalist or write that kind of book, but there was some really funny stuff in there. And yeah, at the time, uh, you know, the media at the time were, were just totally different than what we have right now for obvious reasons. And, you know, nobody wrote all that stuff. You know, I saw stuff happen when I started in the early 70s that we were we were able to not, uh, you know, get out in the, in the public, uh, the, the, the media. Heck, the writers might have been with the guys who were getting in trouble that night. <laughs> so, you know, that was the kind of the way it was back in those days. So was it better then? I'm not going to ever be one of those people to go back and sound like an old fossil and say it was better in the old days. It was it was different. And I, I get where you're coming from, that when you read that thing of mountains <laughs> and you were allowed to read that, you went, whoa, this is kind of <laughs> crazy, some of this stuff. Yep. And finally, Wheels, it is Star Wars night at the ballpark. Are you a Star Wars guy? Oh, gosh, no. I just I feel so <laughs> bad. When, you know, we used to, that's one of the reasons they may have gotten rid of me, because I, <laughs> I wasn't much of a pop culture guy. You know, I was, I could tell you every little stuff about Bobby Rydell and Fabian and Frankie Avalon, you know, and uh, and Elvis and, and movies, some movies from then. And, and, uh, and uh, you know me, I could always remember what a player did in the game back in the 50s that I might have seen or the 60s. But when they started doing that pop culture stuff, I, you know, I've never been a big TV watcher. I just I never did. So I felt guilty when that stuff would come up and I'd look at Tom or something. Mm. I thought, yeah, treat me like we used to treat Harry. He didn't know what the hell was going on either <laughs> about any of that stuff. He never paid any attention to it. So, so pretend I'm Harry right now. Don't try to get me involved. So I'm sorry. I can't talk to you about Star Wars, except that I know Darth Vader breathes real heavy. <laughs> there you go. Always <laughs> great to talk to you, Chris, uh, on our show or otherwise. Chris Wheeler, thanks much. Thanks, Chad. Anytime. I love, to, I love talking baseball with you. My pleasure. Hey, Chad, as always, Wheels is just on top of the game. It, it's almost like he's, he was in the booth. Yeah, he was terrific, man. What great insight. I mean, I just love listening to him talk about the, the Phillies pitching staff and the problems they've had, the offense, what's going on there, uh, the GMs having tough times, you know, tough decisions to make this month. Uh, he's got it all. He's, he's still following the team, obviously, very closely. He's probably going to a few of the games this week. Great to have Wheels on with us once again. 
Yeah, and you know, Chad, one thing that doesn't get mentioned enough, and uh, I, I, no pun intended here, but when the wheels came off of this team was when Odubel Herrera and Andrew McCutcheon went away in the same week. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that was you it. know, two, two-thirds of your outfield, like them, like them or not, two-thirds of your starting outfield went away, and it's been a bit of a scramble just filling them spots with quality guys, and they haven't played good ball since. And they were very fortunate that they picked up Jay Bruce a day or two before the McCutcheon injury, just, you know, out of dumb luck. And now, of course, he's on the IL with uh, an oblique, so he, he'll probably be gone for a few weeks at the very least. Um, yeah, they got some issues. Well, and you know, and, and tonight you have Nick Williams back, you know, back up in the big leagues and right into the starting lineup. Uh, we know he has not been able to produce very well, in, you know, so far. Um, Hazley, you know, he's just a kid getting his first cup of coffee, and these are the guys you're running out there every night. And with that, I got to say, Chet, you'll probably find this a little bit hard to believe, but I can't be blaming Gabe Kapler for a whole lot of this stuff that's going on. Yeah, a lot of it's on the players for sure. And, uh, you know, how about him suspending, or not suspending, uh, benching Franco for yesterday's game? I didn't get to talk to Wheels about that. It was on my list of potential questions, but I would like to have asked Wheels about what he thought about, uh, you know, the, the mental errors and the lack of hustle and Gabe not immediately benching guys in the past, Segura and Hernandez, but he did bench Franco yesterday. So that's something you and I could talk about at some point. Yeah, well, and and I have a little problem with that, actually. Uh, being selective discipline is not what yeah. a good coach does. You yeah. know, you let it go with some guys, and then you hit the next guy. If he'd have taken care of it day one, um, then we, you don't have them other days. Well, supposedly, so, I, I heard him on WIP this morning, Gabe was on, and he said he had a talk with the team after the two previous incidents, and he kind of laid down the law saying if it happened again, there would be reper- repercussions. So I guess it makes sense in that aspect that he did warn the team a couple of weeks ago when they were in Washington, I believe, and then Franco you know, did what he did on Monday night. Yeah, that's weak. Deal with the problem, take care of it one-on-one, and do it that way. Let's take a break so I can tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I love to tell you all about the Irish Rover every week. They have a great variety of food and drink on the menu with all sorts of specials. And by the way, they've just made some changes and added some new items to the menu. And always 24 beers on tap. Plus, trivia every Wednesday evening, karaoke many Thursdays, and a DJ every Friday night. And don't forget, Shark Week starts July 28th at the Rover with Land Shark beer specials and shark cocktails. That's right, the Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne, and you can get more info on their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. And hey, because it's the 50th anniversary this week of a certain momentous event, well, here you go. And Buzz Aldrin tried to put somebody on the moon, too, that wanted to give him some lip. I saw that you posted that clip. That was a riot. Buzz at, yeah. what, is he, what is he, 89 or something like that? 89 <laughs> years old, still has a good right cross. <laughs> he does. That guy deserved it, too, damn it. <laughs> yeah, he did. It, it, you know, the only bad part was somebody else didn't come finish up that mess. Yeah, yeah. Hey, where were you 50 Wait. years ago when they did the moon landing? And I was walk. sitting in my parents' living room watching it on the TV. 
Yep, me as well. I remembered. I think it was a Sunday night when they did the actual moonwalk, and uh, I was watching with my mom and dad and my sister. Yep, me too. And uh, you know, some of those things you just don't forget. That's a great mm-hmm. day. Yes, well, sir. hey, Chad. Speaking of great days, Eagles camp opens next week. A lot of excitement for the season, as we said, and. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I got to listen to a lot of Cowboys lip service last weekend at Chantilly because there were a whole bunch of them stinking guys there signing, and uh, the fans were everywhere, and they're all running that mouth. Well, I bet you did. Stinking Cowboys fans are everywhere. I heard some talk in recent days that Zeke Elliott is contemplating holding out if he doesn't get a new deal. He's also the subject of an investigation into that incident in Vegas back in May where, as the video shows, he shoved a 19-year-old security guard, knocked him down. There, there's often lots of drama with the Cowboys. You notice that? Yeah, and there's a lot of trouble uh, that follows Zeke Elliott around, too. Uh, maybe because of what Will says with all the cameras everywhere. But Elliot seems to find the cameras, and it's usually in a negative way. Yeah, and, you know, hey, uh, CBS Sports today came out with its uh, list of top 100 players in the NFL, current active players. And who's leading the list in terms of, you know, team uh, representatives? The Cowboys with nine guys on the list. Unbelievable. Uh, Seven Chargers were on the list. Six Eagles and a couple other teams also had six. And uh, Zeke Elliott was number 24 out of the top 100. Dak Prescott wasn't even one of the nine Cowboys. He was number 105, so he didn't make the top 100. The Eagles, as I said, had six guys on the list, including Fletcher Cox at number 12. Zach Ertz down at 37, which I thought was low. Kelsey, 49. Carson Wentz at number 50. And then further down, Lane Johnson and Malcolm Jenkins. No Brandon Graham. And no Jason Peters. No, and I was wondering – because I guess the, the whole age thing and his inability to stay healthy in recent years, uh, they didn't put him on the list because he's you know probably not one of the best right now, even though he is a future Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah. Well, I always hear about this uh, Dak Prescott, and I tell you what, I just don't, I just don't get it. Uh, I just don't see him being all that. But most importantly, with the Cowboys, Jet is as long as they have Jason Garrett, I like our chances. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. Um, I, can't hey, I did, I did get to hear some yeah. real disappointment from Eagles fans, though, regarding the only one open camp practice to the public. Uh, times have sure changed when you used to be able to go to camp and carry players' gear and do all kinds of stuff back in the day. Yeah, um, I'm a little disappointed as well with the one practice. I think we talked about this before. I'm not sure. I did snag a ticket for that open practice. You had to pay 10 bucks for it this year, but – what the heck? It's ridiculous they're only doing the one open practice. Come on, Jeffrey. Not happy with that. Yeah, well, you know, and is it Jeffrey or is it Doug? You know, uh, they they think they're curing cancer, uh, you know, or something like that rather than coaching football. I mean, it's just not it's just not all that complicated that somebody's going to sit in the stands and steal your stuff. You know, it's just not. Um, but these guys, are they're crazy with their, their secret stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and the thing about it you, is get those fans in the seats. Get those kids in the in the seats, you know? Yep. Are you ready for training camp next week? I think it starts on the 25th. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'm not a big camp guy. Uh, well, I'm certainly I'm a, I'm a camp guy, but I'm not a uh, preseason game guy, as you know. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of talk about running this season 18 games, and uh, – I'm not sure that that's going to ever happen, but that's what they're they're bouncing around again. 
Uh, yeah, we got to talk about that at some point. There's some crazy ideas being floated out there uh, regarding that situation. Yes, yes. Hey, Chad, I mentioned about the Chantilly memorabilia show this weekend. Vince Papali and Donovan McNabb were both there. Both were fan favorites. Uh, the real headliners, though, for the fans were boxing great Floyd Mayweather was there at Steelers Hall of Famer, and Penn State great Franco Harris was there. Uh, but the crazy thing was boxing champion Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker signing autographs on Saturday and being hit by a car and killed on Sunday. Crazy. Yeah, you, you know, I had seen that that uh, happened, but I did not know that he had been at the show, uh, the memorabilia show, signing earlier that same day. That was very sad, very sad to hear that. Absolutely. Hey, one final thought on Mayweather, Chet. I've been going to these uh I've been going to these memorabilia shows for, for many, many years and uh I I've never seen a bunch of professional athletes <coughs> jump out of anywhere to get their picture with Floyd Mayweather. And I'm talking about Joe Green, Heinz Ward, Jack Lambert, those kind of guys jumping out of everywhere to get their picture with Mayweather, it was really kind of interesting. Yeah, he's a popular guy for sure, Bill. No doubt about that. He, he sure is. Well, hey, Chet, uh, let's get a word in before we get to Taryn and uh, talk flyers. If you need insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yeah, one of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy, Bill, is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie who's dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today, 610-430-0700. Again, Dave Lavoie at Allstate in Westchester, 610-430-0700. Well, hey, Chad, as we said, there's a lot going on this summer with the Flyers and all the young talent trying to make this team, and no better to tell us all about it than first-time guest of Philly Press Box Radio, NBC Sports Philly, Taryn Hatcher. Taryn, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Hey, Taryn, this is Chet. Thanks for joining us, and congratulations on your first year at NBC Sports Philly. I believe the 23rd is when you debuted last year, so i got to ask you, how was year one? It was, I mean, it was phenomenal. This was totally a pipe dream for me. So to move back and start doing it at, I was 25 last year when I started was, I'm just still insanely grateful. But it was interesting because I wasn't originally hired for the Flyers. And then that opportunity came up and I was approached with it. And I mean, that really just changed the whole course of the year and was, you know, fun and exciting and unexpected. So it was great. Yeah, and for folks who don't know, you are a Del Rand native and a Rutgers grad. And before coming to NBC Sports Philly, you worked as a sports anchor out in Hawaii. I've got to imagine it's very different covering sports in Philly versus out on the islands. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, when I was at Rutgers, I had interned at Comcast Sportsnet. I had interned at a CBS station in New York. And I grew up with the way we do sports out here. So coming back and kind of falling into this again was not as big of an adjustment as it was to move out there and the way you cover sports is so different out there because there's a lot of pro athletes that come out of Hawaii but there's no pro sports there and so it's a much different ball game I mean the thing is here that you know kind of what you're going to cover and what your week is going to look like beforehand out there it was like you didn't know if Marcus Mariota was going to have a good day or if DeForest Buckner was going to have a good day or if Manti Teo who was playing them was going to have a good day or 
you know, if Colton Wong was going to play crazy or, you know, there was a Greg Garcia was a UH grad. There's a lot of, you're, you're following all these people and all these games where it's here. I mean, you know what sports you're going to cover that day. You probably know what you're going to talk about. And the, the game, obviously, you don't know the outcome. But to be honest with you, it was a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of adjustment to go out there. But it was great. I think it taught me a lot, and it made me very grateful when I came back here um, because I have a lot more resources at my disposal out here, but I loved every second of it. Sure. Well, Taryn, you gave up what most of us would consider a dream job in Hawaii to come <laughs> back to Philadelphia. Uh, so obviously you were a, you grew up a Philadelphia sports fan. How did that all happen? Are your mom and dad big fans or, or – because obviously you were drawn to come back to Philadelphia sports. Yeah, I mean, to be quite honest with you, I love my mom's death. She wanted me to be in ballet, and I was. Uh, <laughs> she wasn't pushing me to watch, you know, Eagles games or Sixers games or Flyers games. But my dad was a huge, especially college basketball fan, um, and my brother grew up playing hockey. My brother ended up being a phenomenal long-distance runner, but – my dad wanted him to learn about team sports and being part of a team, and he loved hockey, and I was a soccer player. And so we grew up with a lot of flyers in my house, which is kind of ironic because that's where I ended up, you know, that's what I ended up covering this year. But that was big in our family because my dad really wanted, I think, to sort of, you know, let my brother's love of hockey grow. And so I'd go going to his games at the skate zone in Voorhees where it's Flyers practice, and we'd go to a ton of Flyers games, and we'd go to Phillies games in the summer and watch Eagles on Sunday. And, you know, I, I remember watching, like, every game of the Sixers season when Kyle Korver still had highlights and, like, the Justin Bieber <laughs> haircut in middle school, watching tons of Flyers games when it was Jeff Carter and Mike Richards and – my aunt lived on the same block as Keith Primo, and so, you know, and when Darian Hatcher would come through the skate zone, we'd watch my brother's practice, I'd try to, like, sneak up and get a picture with him because, you know, I told people we were related and we weren't. So there was a lot, <laughs> a lot of sports connections in our house growing up. But primarily it actually was, more than any other sport in my house, probably the Flyers. Well, Taryn, let's talk a little bit about the Flyers. You've been a fan since you were a young gal in South Jersey, as you mentioned. You've covered them pretty closely much of the past season. They have a new GM since you know middle of last year. They have a new head coach now. They have some new players. And, of course, Carter Hart will be in goal from the start of the season this time around. Are they better positioned now to make a playoff run than last October? Yeah, and I think the thing that people – it was tough because it was a very difficult start to the year, and there was so much upheaval and change. But I think people don't really take into consideration enough how well they ended their season last year. Once January hit and on, I mean, up until the last couple of weeks when they were, you know, eliminated from, uh, you know, the postseason and we knew that was yeah. a done deal mathematically, they did pretty well from January through much of March. And a lot of that has to do with Carter Hart. So I think having him in goal to start the season – Feeling like, I mean, knock on wood and pray to baby Jesus that, you know, the injury bug that plagued the goaltender situation does not hit him. But, you know, I think not having that constant, like, what are we going to do in goal tonight helped the team phenomenally. And I think a lot of guys started to come into their own who needed to. Because the issue at the start of the season was if Couturier wasn't scoring, if Giroux wasn't scoring, no one was scoring. Like, it – 
they, I can't tell you how many games it was like, geez, if, if Coots or GR on the ice, like, we're not getting goals. Towards the end of the year, you have Oscar Limblanc coming to his own, Travis Konechny producing pretty consistently. You have Travis Sanheim coming to his own. A lot of young guys coming into their own. I think Kevin Hayes coming in as the second center, you know, I know he's still listed as a winger on some places. I'm anticipating he'll be the second center, but who knows? He can do both. Um, is huge because I think you add a lot more, a, a very solid piece to a second line where you can move some things around. But, yeah, I'm excited. I think the young guys have to start the year and play the year like they ended last year and the goaltending situation solid. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Elaine Vigneault. I don't pretend to know him very well yet just because this summer he's been all over. Um, it's not like he's been here all the time. Um but, you know, I know that, for me, that's a positive thing in terms of Kevin Hayes because I think that maybe had to do with why Kevin Hayes decided to come here. So <laughs> I'm hoping that's a positive endorsement of the coach. But, yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic, but I'm also – I try to be optimistic. I try to be optimistic about the team all of last year. So who knows? Hopefully they prove me right. Well, Taryn, when you're basically you're, you're living with this with this organization as you're tra- in the, the traveling party, uh, even though you probably knew it was going to come, what what happens to that traveling party when a guy like Wayne Simmons gets moved in the middle of the season? You know, I think it was, I think it was, how do I choose my words here? Um, I think it was tough, especially a lot of guys had a lot of close relationships with him. I do think. You know, Claude Drew is kind of more of a, of a lead-by-action kind of guy. Same thing with Sean Couturier. You know, I think Wayne was kind of one of the more, um, I don't want to say vocal leaders, but he was your tough guy on the team last year. I mean, who else is going to drop gloves and fight? I don't know that anybody would, um, mm-hmm. which does something for a locker room. That being said, I think most people knew it was coming. You know, I remember talking to Jake Voracek months and months before the trade deadline approached and was just talking to him about, you know, when Wayne's name comes up week after week after week, what is that like for you? Because I think they played every single season together as much as I can remember. Um, And they were close. And, you know, Jake's a pretty vocal guy about how he feels on stuff. And Jake, honestly – was kind of defeated by the conversation a little bit because it is one that was had so much and he really does like Wayne and he does like Wayne's family and he, you know, I don't think ever liked the idea of them all having to up and move because guys just genuinely liked him and he did have that tough physical leadership. He did bring that to the locker room. But at the same time, I do think a lot of guys expected it. It was hard to see it almost go on as long as it did. I kind of wished if they were going to trade him that it happened a little bit sooner um, because I think it was hard for him to have to read it every week and his team to have to talk about it every week because it was. It was like a very regular conversation, um, which I think is hard on everybody when it's a guy that you really like. But I just kind of wish he wasn't on the devil. But, you know, yeah, me now, too. <laughs> I wish he had gone out to the West. But, uh you know, I'm happy for him. He was always a nice guy every time I talked to him, very respectful, very kind. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess at this point it is what it is. It'll be I'm weird sure seeing him in a devil's uniform, that's for sure. Hey, uh, getting yeah. back to Carter Hart, though, 
two things about Carter Hart. For, for one, is he the real deal as a goaltender? And you've done a few stories on him and with him. Is he as awesome a young man as he seems to be? Oh, my gosh. I can't say enough nice things about Carter. Um, you know, it's one of these things where, like, I will not lie, and, and I try never to lie about this stuff. There are certain athletes that they're obligated to show up to these charity things, and they're obligated to do this, that, or the next thing, and or right. they want to look like a nice guy publicly. Carter genuinely is incredibly kind and incredibly giving, and I interviewed his mom his first start. I don't pretend to know her very, very well, but I was talking to her for, like, an entire period of Carter's first start before we went to go do this interview, and, like, she had me tearing up because she was crying and so proud and just she's such a genuinely sweet lady. And you see where, where it comes from and just, uh, like, you can see it come from his family and probably who he was and how he was raised. But, yeah, I mean, we just did this story on, on Brandon Hall, the kid who has a prosthetic leg who plays goalie. He's, yeah, he that. just turned 10. Um, like, that kid's mom just wanted Carter to sign something and send it. Like, it was literally just a, hey – do you think we could get, like, an autograph headshot or something? And Carter was the one. Literally, mm-hmm. I heard this from everyone in the organization. Carter was the one who said, I'm in town. I'm not doing a signed thing. I want to meet him. I want to skate with him if he's cool to skate, like, because he just broke his wrist. Um, the kid, not Carter. Carter's wrist is fine. Right, right. Uh, but, like, that's, that's how kind he is. Um in terms of goaltending, yeah, I think he's the real deal. He's been on big stages since a very for a very long time. He's an incredibly young kid. I think he handles pressure well. I think he bounces back well. Um, you know, in terms of technically, he's incredibly technically sound. The one game that I think he looked as if he was lacking technically, we ended up finding out that he was, like, dealing with something a little bit physically, which I think is exactly why he was – be struggling um, in that one specific game. But, yeah, I mean, and even uh, Jim Jackson points out, so I can't take credit for it, if you look at the Flyers' stats from the first half of the season to the second half, they weren't drastically different. The thing that was different was the wins and losses, and you look at the one thing that changed from that first half to that second, and it's harder and goal, which I think says a lot about, you know, says more than I could ever say. So, yeah, I think he's I think he's the real deal. I just I hope he always stays the way he is now because he is one of the best athletes I've ever worked with in my short career in this business. So yeah, Great okay. he's a really phenomenal kid. Good. Hey, I wanted to ask you, Taryn, uh a lot of buzz about all these young kids, a lot of young talent uh in the organization. The one I wanted to ask you about was this Morgan Frost and uh is he the offensive guy we've been looking for that can that score a lot of goals in the league, and, and is he ready to be in the league? Well, that's tough. That's a tough question. Um, obviously, we saw what he did at World Juniors. We've seen what he can do in you know clips from development camp and all that stuff. And he's he's very very talented. The thing that I will say, and I'll say it a hundred times, and I know it's not the answer anybody wants to hear. Until they're up there and they're at the speed of the game and they're playing it, you know, day in, day out, and, you know, taking the physicality of the game, the NHL level, you just don't know how they're going to perform consistently. You know, I remember people saying that Carter was great, this, that, and the next thing, and Chuck Fletcher was saying, he's not ready, he's not ready, he's not ready, and then he came up and he clearly was ready. Um, I don't think you, you know that until they're there, 
Um, but, you know, look at Phil Myers. Like, they brought him up, and he did great. Uh, you know, I think he showed that he can compete at this level, and the more he plays the level, the better he'll be at this level. I think it's going to be the same thing for Frost. I think once they believe he's ready, we'll find out if he's actually ready when he gets up and plays, and we'll see how good he can be when he's up for a long time and he gets extended ice time and he gets comfortable with the game. Because I look at a guy like, you know, and Oscar Lindblom's a much different player. I look at a guy like Oscar Lindblom, and when his ice time was limited, he was playing pretty poorly. When his ice time got extended, all of a sudden he's racking up assists or racking up points per game. And he every time I talk to him, he's just like, the more I'm out on the ice, the more comfortable I am against these players. Like, it just takes doing something right against a very good player one time to make you feel like you can do it over and over and over again. And when you start doing it over and over again, you stop thinking about the fact like, oh, my gosh, I'm at the NHL level, and you're just playing. So I think that's what every young guy requires, but I've certainly been impressed by him from what I've seen so far. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we'll get to see him, and I'm hoping he does very well when we do. Yes, ma'am. Hey, Taryn, on a different front, I know you were pretty excited about the women's USA soccer team winning another World Cup last week. I think I remember reading somewhere you were always a big fan of Delran's own Carly Lloyd. Is that right? I grew up watching Carly at Rutgers. Like, I, my dad would drive me up to New Brunswick, and when I was, like, in middle school, and we'd watch Carly play at Rutgers. Yeah, I watched her go through the – her trainer that she talked about time, James Galanis, before she started working with him and after and just how much that impacts her career. She talks about it all the time. I remember, like, seeing it happen before my eyes. It was very, very fun to watch, yes. Carly and Heather Miss. I went to a lot of Philadelphia Charge games as a kid, too. People forget. Philadelphia Charge is where it was at. (laughs) That's right. Hey, Taryn, whenever we have a new guest, Chet likes to play a little game he calls Fast Five. You up for that tonight? All right. Let's let's (laughs) see what you got It's easy. It'll be easy, I swear to God. All right, five well, very simple questions. Well, this is like when I get when someone will tweet at me and they'll be like, "What's the blood type of this coach from 35 years ago?" Like, <laughs> no, know. Like, we're not. Married. We're not that like, smart. Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Me either. That's perfect. Nothing that difficult. All right, Taryn, fast five. Here we go. Number one, what's the key to the Eagles getting back to the Super Bowl this season? Staying healthy, <laughs> every single one of them. I don't want random people playing in the secondary. <laughs> And I want Carson Wentz on the field without a single issue, staying healthy. I'm with you. Amen. Number two, speaking of the Super Bowl, how weird was it watching them finally win one while you were working and living in Hawaii? My boss was a Patriots fan, and I loved every second of it. I threw it in her face every day. I would have rather been here for the parade, but I I told him if the Eagles win, I'm doing ten minutes of highlights. And he said, all right. I was at the parade. It was awesome. All right, one tough one. I'm sure you have many to choose from, but a favorite memory or assignment from your first year at NBC Sports Philly? Ooh, probably the day Carter Hart started talking to his mom. I like she. That's the moment where you see someone who looks at a player as their child, and you like you can see in their eyes all the time and the dedication that went into developing that person. And to see how proud she was, and it had there was no glory or, you know, it, it was not at all. It was just sheer pride and love. And I that interview was maybe my favorite interview I've ever done. She was such a wonderful person to talk to. I saw it. And yes, it was great. Uh, number four, you played in the media softball game before the Phillies played Monday night. How'd you do? Um, not wonderful. We're gonna have a, a mic'd up video. We, they mic'd me up for the game. That video is coming out. 
there's just a lot of me saying I'm out of breath. Wow, I'm really out of shape. Um, I hit the ball twice. I didn't get on base either time, though. I drilled one one time. Like, I drilled it, but I still didn't get on base. So, I just proud of swing and miss because Marshall Harris (laughs) whipped real hard one year. I've heard all about it. Yeah. (laughs) At number five, because you covered the Flyers much of last season, I need to know, how did you get along with Gritty? Oh, very well. I have – I can't reveal certain things, but Gritty and I go way back. Like, we actually do go way back. I'm talking four years back. I've known Gritty for before Gritty was Gritty. I'll say Interesting. that. Interesting. Uh, so I, I get along with Gritty very well, but I can't say anything more or the Flyers organization will actually yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, well, Darren, I tell you what, that we weren't asking any coaches' blood types or anything like that. We got all the way to Gritty. So you certainly passed that fast five. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Well, hey, and we appreciate you taking the time to join us, and, and hopefully we get to do it again. Sounds great. Love to. Check in in the all middle right. of flyer season, see if I'm still as excited and happy as I am right now. <laughs> well, I hope we all are. Happy yeah, anniversary. Thanks. Happy one-year anniversary. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Guys. Thanks, Darren. Bye-bye. Yeah, as we mentioned, last call on the new Philly Press Box Radio shirts. We're about out of that first order. I think we're down to three of the initial order, and it's time to reorder. I think we're going to turn be turning the red shirts into green shirts for football season. Yeah, I don't have my info on all the sizes and what's available, but I know we don't have very many at all. Uh, but, yeah, let's do what you just said and go to the green ones now for Eagles football season. So uh, start working on those, get some – copies to me so we can advertise them and we'll sell some more shirts because uh it's almost football season darn it yes it is and uh the red's cool you know and the black and red is cool but the green uh, i've already got it all laid out i've got the proofs and just a matter really of pulling the trigger trying to trying to close out the first batch before we go to the second batch but i think you're going to like the green well, i'm sure i can't wait i can't wait bill all right well hey chet uh what a great pair of guests tonight, my friend. Top of the line with uh, both Taryn and Wheels. They're fantastic. So I have to ask, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week for show number 245? Yeah, next week, Bill, back for a second visit. One of my favorite guys from Sports Radio WIP. He's part of the DeCamera and Richie Midday Show and the weekend Go Birds radio show. A great guy who can talk about everything on the Philly sports scene, James Seltzer. We may have a second guest. I don't know. We shall see. And, Bill, because uh, of the moon anniversary thing uh, this weekend, i got to get this second little song clip in there just for you. I think you're infatuated with the moonwalk. I don't, I don't know. Well, did you see on uh, Facebook last night I put a list of, like, 20 different moon songs. Uh, like 10 of my favorites that had Moon in the title, then another 10 honorable mentions. Yeah, sometimes I get carried away with that stuff. Uh, I did see it, and I got a good chuckle out of it because actually <laughs> I knew most of those songs, and uh, good good choice. Starting some conversation, that's what I do, you know. There you <laughs> go. Hey, Chad, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on our Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 
one in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the PPCC118 crew was together this past weekend in Chantilly. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, you actually have like a crew, like a posse. You get together and have little meetings. Well, there is a there is a PP, there is a CC, and there is a 118. So there were three of us, and we were all together to make up the Raz Room. You know, nobody asked me, but I would have changed that name because I can never remember, like, how many P's and how many C's and what the numbers are. But, hey, that, that's your call. That's your thing. Well, you know, um, once we get the, the website up and going, it will be – Razroom.com. So it's already there. We just are building it. There you, there go. you go. Mr. Chesco, parting shot tonight. And I don't know that I have one uh, because I've been out of town all weekend and I could just keep on talking about the Phillies. That's the crap. I, I, have, I wish I, I have some other. I have some other notes here that we can uh, discuss, but I, I'm not going to do a parting shot per se, Bill, but two weeks ago when you weren't here, we went into the time machine and heard a fun spot from Crazy Eddie. And this week we have a new fake sponsor, one that our pal Joe B. reminded me about, and one I'm sure you'll remember from growing up in Delco back in the day. If you didn't buy your coat from Crest Brothers Men's Store, you was wrong! You was wrong! Crest Brothers 901 <laughs> South Street, still the stars! <laughs> Remember those commercials? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. And they were only oh, nine or ten funny. seconds long. And so here's another one because they're only nine or ten seconds Are long. Are the girls crazy about me? No way! It's your Crash Brothers too. Crash Brothers, nine hundred one South Street, still the stars. <laughs> Thanks to Joe Bonner for uh, reminding me of those. Boy, I tell you what, and I, I probably haven't heard them for fifty years, Chet, and they're still funny, and I still remember them. The other one I always remember because there was one close to our house was Silo is having a sale. Oh, yes. A what? A sale. (laughs) A sale, yeah. A 48-hour clearance sale. They were having clearance sales every week. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about Silo. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's funny how you remember them 50 years later. A couple other things, Bill. Uh, Wimbledon, of course, was this past weekend. Serena did not play very well and getting blown out on Saturday, but I didn't get to see it, but there was an epic men's final on Sunday. Roger Federer, who's going to be 38 very soon, and Novak Djokovic, who's 32. They're still dominant players, and they're still always in the semifinals or finals. I didn't get to see it because I was traveling back to Philly for the Phillies game Sunday morning. But, man, I wish I could have seen that. And uh, Rafa Nadal was in the semifinal. And I love watching these guys, and this is a great era for men's tennis. I know you don't follow it that closely, but... Matt Goldberg will tell you, this is a great time to be watching men's tennis. Well, you know, uh, I, I obviously I didn't get to see it either because I was at the show all weekend, but uh, uh, the buzz I was hearing, Chet, was po- possibly the greatest Wimbledon final ever on the men's side. Yeah, yeah, and I wish I could have seen more, but I just saw the highlights. But, uh, man, I mean, they had the, the lengthy tie break in the final set, you know, five sets, five hours or whatever they played, so... Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. One other thing, Bill, um, HBO's Hard Knocks is coming back in the next week or two as soon as training camps are open, and it's going to be the Raiders this summer, which should be very interesting with John Gruden. Uh, I think that's going to be a fun one, and I do try to watch Hard Knocks uh, probably every other year or so, and this year I'll definitely have it on my DVR to try to watch it every week. 
Yeah, I, I am too. Uh, the Hard Knocks is really cool. And the, the only one that I actually watched the whole entire thing, uh, I watched bits and pieces of all of them, is uh, the Texans with J.J. Watt, because you know I'm a huge J.J. Watt fan. Uh, yeah. It was just amazing, amazing. I believe I watched the one uh, with the Rams and you know, when Jeff Fisher was there. That was uh, one that I watched. And Oh, did you hear me talking about Jim Bowden's book, Ball Four with Wheels? I'm betting you read that book as a 12- or 13-year-old. I did. I did. And uh, you know what? As you guys were talking about that, I, somewhere around here in, in a box, I probably still have that book, and I think I might dig that out and read it again because it's been yeah, a long I, time. I but I recall I, I would probably appreciate it a whole lot more as an adult as I did as a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still have it on my bookshelf. I, I think I've purchased maybe 40 books in my entire life, and that was definitely one of the ones that I kept. So that is still in my <laughs> possession. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. All right, my man. Anything else before we put a wrap on this thing? You know, you mentioned uh, I mentioned something about Curb Your Enthusiasm the other day, and you didn't realize that I was a fan, but you have to be a fan of Curb if you're a fan of Seinfeld and because you weren't here two weeks ago, and we didn't have time last week, we didn't get to talk about the fact that it was Seinfeld's 30th anniversary, and that is still, for me, my number one favorite sitcom of all time. So thank you, Jerry Seinfeld. Mm, all right. Not a fan? Not a fan? Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's not my favorite, but yeah. Just all right. All right. Okay, all right. be that way. Now Wrap we've reached the top of the hour, so we don't want to know about your TV history. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's thank tonight's special guest, Taryn Hatcher, Chris Wheeler, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Room, and Dave Lavoie of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio Wednesday, July 24th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Now there's a classic.